Good morning, fam. Good to be together today. Um, good to connect with our brothers and sisters from uh, the area. Uh, just before before we dive into stuff, I want to do um, just a few announcements for us. Uh, for Lawrence, we're going to be having congregational midweek via Zoom again at 7 p.m., and so that information will be uh, sent out. And uh, it was exciting to see Eden Okafor. She's a freshman at KU, baptized on Monday. Um, really exciting just to see how God continues to move uh, during this time. And uh, it was also super encouraging on Friday night. We had a um, ICMD, International Campus Ministry Devo. And so all of the uh, campus ministries from the United States and even abroad joined together on Facebook Live. And it was so cool. Um, you know, there was about 1,700 different devices logged in, so well over 2,000 students viewing, uh, you know, different worship leaders from around the country. We had uh, the church leaders in Milan, Italy do a little lesson. It, it was just an awesome time. So really, really cool seeing how, it, in spite of the fact that we're all scattered, God is still doing powerful things, and we see that even through Scripture. Uh, and then Kansas City, a couple announcements, Congregational Midweek again at 7.30 p.m., uh, and that information, those links will be sent out. And then for Kansas City, Kevin is going to start doing a three-part series on Sunday. And so for Kansas City, you guys will be uh, informed with links to those streamings. Uh, and Lawrence will continue uh, to do our finish up our series on Daniel. We've got three more parts uh, after this week. So also just want to uh, remind everybody to please remember to do what you can to give online. Uh, you can go to your, you know, freestate.church or kc.church and uh, the give links. Uh, but I know that this is kind of a tough time financially for, for some people, but, uh, you know, faithfully we can continue to give, do what we can so the church can continue to, to function. Um, okay, so go ahead and turn over to the book of Daniel. We're going to be uh, continuing our series. I'm looking forward to what we're going to be talking about today. I hope it's been encouraging for y'all uh, as it has been for me. Um, if you... Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm good. Uh, I was just joking. That's a Randy Ware's famous fake freeze. So I figured I'd give it a little try here. Shout out to Randy there. But uh, yeah, go ahead and turn over to Daniel. So we're continuing our series. And uh, like I said, I hope it's been as encouraging for y'all as it has been for me. I, I love this book. And I truly believe that if you put the time and effort into really Understanding it, it can grow your faith uh, in an incredible way. And so we've got these two phrases, right, that we're memorizing that I think really captures the purpose and the message of the book of Daniel. Um, and they're kind of, you know, because each chapter you read will, will usually fall into one of these two kind of categories, these phrases. The first phrase, stand firm, do not fear. And we see that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, they just, they had such stubborn faith. There were such incredible, incredible examples of refusing to compromise. And they found themselves in these situations where they, they could either make a little compromise or face death, but they didn't sell out. They stood their ground, even if that meant uh, being executed by the king or being thrown into the fiery furnace or thrown into a lion's den. They had faith that God would rescue them, but even if he did not, they refused to bow down to any other God. 
And so for generations to come, uh, to, to come, these stories would have been so significant for God's people because they would be put in this, you know, similar situations to either make a little compromise or potentially face death for their faith. And they would look back and remember these stories of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and it, it would inspire them to remain faithful to God, to refuse to sell out or bow down or compromise uh, and they had faith that God would rescue them, but even if he didn't, they would not bow down. Uh, and so the second phrase, it's similar but slightly different, is do not fear God is sovereign. And throughout Daniel, there are so many of these powerful, practical, inspiring lessons uh, of them standing firm in their faith. But there are also, there's these kind of strange confusing dreams and visions that Daniel's given. And we looked at one of them last week in Daniel chapter 7. And we saw that in 553 BC, God told Daniel with incredible detail what was going to happen 600 years in the future regarding some of the major world empires to come. Specifically, we looked at uh, Rome, the Roman Empire. And uh, just mind-blowing accuracy there, um, so faith-building. And as these world empires for, for years to come, for centuries to come, we're going to rise and wage war against God's people. Uh, these visions would be a message of hope that, you know what, Rome might be strong, Greece might be strong, Persia might be strong, but God is sovereign and God rules the nation. So do not fear. Uh, God is behind the rise and fall of these different kings and kingdoms. He truly is sovereign, and these kingdoms will rise, but they will fall. And he's going to set up a kingdom that will endure forever and will never fade away. And that's the kingdom of God that we are so privileged to be a part of. Uh, and so today, we're going to be in Daniel chapter 6, and we're going to read one of the most iconic stories in the Bible. We know it, uh, you know, Daniel and the lion's den. Uh, but before we do, I want to catch us up on the timeline a little bit. Uh, just to, to, to bring us to where we're at, you know, at this time in history. So remember, 605 B.C., that's when Nebuchadnezzar, uh, you know, conquers Jerusalem and takes the first captives into Babylon. That's when Daniel and his friends were most likely taken. Uh, and so after Nebuchadnezzar, you know, a guy named Nebuchadnezzar eventually comes to power in Babylon, and he marries Nebuchadnezzar's daughter, and they have a son named Belshazzar. Okay, so Nebuchadnezzar was ruler of Babylon, but he actually spent most of his time away from Babylon, worshiping other gods. And so he put his son Belshazzar in place as a, you know, kind of a de facto king in Babylon. And Belshazzar was a brat, okay? A spoiled, arrogant, entitled punk. Okay, you can read about him in Daniel chapter 5. Uh, and so in 539 B.C., that's kind of where Daniel 5, around the time Daniel 5 takes place, Cyrus the Great comes onto the scene. And he conquers Babylon virtually without a fight. And Cyrus the Great, he, he was the guy that, you know, more or less established the Persian kingdom. Uh, and what's interesting about Cyrus is he totally broke the pattern of all the major world empires that came before him that would conquer other nations. Okay, because what's so interesting is when usually a nation would come in to conquer another nation, uh, they, would, they would try to wipe out that culture and assimilate all those people into their culture. But Cyrus 
totally broke away from that pattern, and he would encourage the nations that he conquered to continue with their culture and continue to worship their gods. And there were instances where he would even uh, restore their uh, ability uh, to worship their gods. Uh, and we see that, you know, he, he issued this decree that actually let the Israelites return to Jerusalem uh, with some of the, the articles that were taken and, and go back and worship their God. And if you look in Isaiah 45, verse 11, Isaiah 45, verse 11, it says, this is what the Lord says, the Holy One of Israel and its maker concerning things to come. Do you question me about my children? Or give me orders about the work of my hands. It is I who made the earth and created mankind on it. My own hands stretched out the heavens. I marshaled their starry hosts. I will raise up Cyrus in my righteousness. I will make all his ways straight. He will rebuild my city and set my exiles free, but not for a price or reward, says the Lord Almighty. Guys, this is what's so crazy. This in Isaiah here, this was written in 750 BC. Cyrus conquered Babylon and issued this decree around 539 BC. So 200 years before, you know, more than 200 years before this even took place, God prophesied that he would raise up a ruler named Cyrus that will set his exiles free, going against the pattern of all the major world empires before it. So what more evidence do we need to trust in God and to believe that his word is inspired, right? This is just, once again, there's so much evidence that supports God's word and how true it is. This should build our faith so much. Uh, and so this catches us up now to Daniel chapter 6. Daniel's no longer under Babylonian rule. Persia is now ruling. And uh, it seems that Cyrus puts a man named Darius in, in charge as ruler over Babylon. And so let's read in Daniel chapter 6 and start in verse 1 as we get into it this morning. In Daniel 6 verse 1 it says, It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the entire kingdom. And God was clearly blessing Daniel, right? He had been promoted over all the wise men in Babylon. He had been appointed to rule over province of Babylon. He was proclaimed the third highest position in Babylon. And now under a completely different empire, he was about to be elevated over the entire kingdom. This is incredible. God was, God was blessing Daniel in his life, uh, but this made his co-workers jealous. The other administrators and provincial officials, uh, they got so jealous that they wanted to find a way to get rid of Daniel. But... They couldn't find anything to, to accuse him of. He was so upright. He was so righteous. He had so much integrity. He was, so, uh, he, he was such a great leader that they couldn't find anything on him. But they knew that he was faithfully devoted to his God. And so they came up with a kind of a 
slimy, weaselly little plan to get rid of Daniel. And so they go to the king and they kind of manipulate him to, to put in place a law that no one could pray to anyone or any god other than Darius for 30 days. And so they, they, they convinced him to sign this law. And in the Persian Empire, uh, no one was above the law. So Darius couldn't just break the law. He, he had to even follow this law that he ends up signing. Uh, and so let's, let's pick up in verse 10 of chapter 6. It says, Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to God just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any God or human being except you, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den? Okay, these guys were creative, if not any, you know, uh, they're, they're, the way they executed people was, you know, throwing them into a furnace or into a lion's den. I mean, you know, interesting. Uh, the king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. And he was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to King Darius and said to him, Remember, your majesty, that according to the law, the Medes and the Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. And the king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring, with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating, without entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up, hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in anguish. Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, may king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in God. What an incredible story, right? And so Daniel is saved by God because of his faith. Darius pulls him out and actually has those other weasels and their entire families thrown into the lion's den. It says before they even hit the ground, they became lion's food. And then Darius issues a decree throughout the entire kingdom that everyone must revere and honor and fear the God of Daniel. And so I was, I was wrestling with what part of this story I wanted to focus on this morning because there's so much good stuff in here. But over the last couple of weeks, I've had some interactions with my daughters that have kind of stuck with me and kind of guided me in what I want to talk about. You know, so 
uh, earlier this, about a week ago, maybe a little over a week ago, because uh, before all this stuff with the virus hit, we had talked about going to Chuck E. Cheese with, uh, with our daughters. And so, a couple, uh, you know, a little over a week ago, uh, my oldest daughter, Kaylee, you know, we're sitting there and she's like, Dad, when are we going to get to go to Chuck E. Cheese? You know, and I said, you know, we're not going to be able to go to Chuck E. Cheese for a while. I know we told you we can't, I'm sorry, we're just not going to be able to. So she's disappointed and she's asking why. And so, I, you know, as dads do, you make up and I, uh, well, uh, Chucky, the mouse, got a virus and he's really sick. And so we can't go see him. Okay. But then what was so cool is later on, a couple days later, I hear in the morning before they're eating breakfast, I hear Kaylee praying, you know, God, please help Chucky to feel better. And God, I pray that you beat the virus. And then my my middle daughter is kind of crazy, and so she's over there going, yeah, kill the virus. And I'm saying, Kylie, don't say kill, you know, uh, use a nicer word. And so then later that night, I overhear this, and my heart's just, you know, it's just such an awesome moment with my kids. But later that night, Kaylee goes, hey, Dad, so, can, you know, are we going to get to go to Chuck E. Cheese now? I said, well, no, Chucky's still sick. And she goes, well, I prayed to God. I was like, yeah, but... We're still probably not going to be able to go for a while. And she goes, yeah, but I prayed. It, it, it kind of it kind of hit me that I think I need to address my prayer life because I'm pretty sure my five-year-old daughter might have a stronger prayer life than I do. And so today, that's what I want to talk about and focus on in Daniel chapter 6. I want to talk about prayer. And, and you know, there's so much. Prayer can actually kind of be an intimidating uh, thing to preach on. For preachers because there's so much material there but I found that one of the best ways to study out prayer is to look at prayers in the Bible and Daniel is uh, without a doubt one of the most powerful prayers in history and so I want to look into this story and take away a few lessons that I think we can learn and apply to our prayer lives and so the title of my sermon today is prophet of prayer and the first lesson that I think we can take away from this story here in, in Daniel is that prayer is primary. You know, from this story in chapter 6, we gain a lot of insight as to how important prayer was to Daniel. You know, when, when these guys came up with this trap and figured out a way that they were going to get Daniel, what did they go after? Prayer. Of all the things they could have tried to go after in Daniel's faith, they went after his ability to pray. It's just interesting that they even knew that he prayed that much. Daniel had such a reputation amongst his co-workers as being a prayer. And so when Daniel hears about this law that you can't pray to anyone or any God other than Darius for 30 days, what's the first thing he does? Oh my goodness, what do I do? I need to go, let me go home and pray about it. He goes home and he prays about it. Daniel would have rather been eaten by lions than not pray for 30 days. For 30 days. And I think, you know, that forces us to kind of focus on our prayer life because we've got to ask ourselves, is prayer a primary aspect of our faith or is it more of a secondary aspect? You know, like you have those, you know, hey, if your house was burning down and you could only take three objects, what three objects would you take? You know, kind of the same idea. 
if that was the situation, would prayer be on your list? Would prayer make your list? How, how much of a priority is prayer in your life? Is prayer a primary aspect of your faith or is it more secondary? Because I would be willing to bet that there's a decent sized group of us that would be willing to not pray for 30 days and stay alive. And frankly, there's probably quite a few of us that go 30 days between really significant prayer times anyways, right? It's not like, it's not like Daniel wasn't allowed to pray ever again just for 30 days. But Daniel would have rather died and been eaten by lions than live in a world where he couldn't pray for 30 days. Guys, prayer to Daniel was a primary essential aspect of his faith, not just a secondary afterthought. And when I read this, the passion that, that Daniel views prayer with out of that necessity, I realize there's an obvious disconnect there. There's something, when I read this, there's something that I'm not getting. Right? Don't, don't get me wrong. I like prayer. I enjoy prayer. I think prayer is important. I know prayer is important. But I must be missing something. There's something that I'm not aware of because my prayer life doesn't even look close to Daniel's. And so what insight on prayer does Daniel have that I don't? I mean, am I doing something wrong? But I think this is what's, what's important. I think this is key. Daniel knew something that is so essential to remaining faithful for a lifetime. And I think the key that Daniel knew was kind of brings us to our second point here is that without prayer, there's no peace. No prayer, no peace. Guys, Daniel's life was crazy. It, it, it was nuts. The dude's country was invaded and conquered. He was taken away from his home, away from his family, away from his livelihood, his friends. He's taken captive to another country, okay? And all of a sudden, he finds himself alive still and then working in for the king. But then he finds himself in a situation where he either has to compromise on his faith, faith or face death. But then he gets promoted. And then he finds himself once again, there's a law issued for all the wise men to be killed because Nebuchadnezzar has a dream and he gets angry. But then God gives him the ability to interpret these dreams. And then Daniel is promoted even higher. And then Daniel's friends are thrown into a fiery furnace and then his friends are rescued and then they're promoted even higher and then Daniel is promoted again even higher and then the nation that he's currently living in is conquered by another nation he lives and not only does he live through that but he's promoted even higher but then his co-workers are so jealous that they want to find a way to kill him I mean, this guy has the most up and down life you could imagine, going from promotions to life-threatening situations to promotion again to friends being thrown into a fiery furnace. To, I mean, up and down and up and down. And that's the thing about life, isn't it? There is always 
something. The moment when things seem great, something crazy happens. And when stuff is crazy, eventually that ends and something great can happen. There are so many ups and downs with life. And I think we learned what Daniel's secret was to remaining faithful for a lifetime through the crazy ups and downs. And that was prayer. Because without prayer, there's no peace. You know, what helps me be at peace is if this situation would calm down. Yeah, I'll be at peace when my test is done. I'll be at peace when uh, the semester's done or when I finally graduate. I'll be at peace when I get a job. I'll be at peace when I get a different job that I like. I'll be at peace when I get a different boss that I like. I'll get, you know, I'll be at peace when I get a boyfriend or a, or a spouse or have a kid. I'll, I'll be at peace when my kid finally becomes a Christian. I'll be at peace when I know that my job is secure. Uh, I'll be at peace when this virus thing gets resolved and all my loved ones are healthy. But guys, here's the deal. If you think that peace comes from your situation getting resolved, then you will never truly be at peace because there will always be something that comes up and you will constantly find yourself in a challenging situation that stresses you out that you have no control over. Peace doesn't come from getting what we want. Peace doesn't come from the removal of hardship or challenge. Peace doesn't come from our situation getting resolved. Peace comes from being in the presence of God. And there's no better way to be in the presence of God than to pray. You know, I think for many of us, our goal in prayer is to somehow kind of manipulate or trick or convince God to bend to our will. How can I convince God that this is what's best in his interest, but really it's how can I convince him to give me what I think should happen, right? That, that's for most of us, our goal in prayer. And so we pray, but we know prayer doesn't work like that. And so we maybe don't get what we want. And then the power of prayer in our minds is kind of diminished and we're kind of discouraged and we're even less at peace. And then we stop praying as much. But we fail to realize that the power of prayer isn't that you can manipulate God to bend to your will. The real power of prayer is that when we're in the presence of God, our hearts are transformed and we become surrendered to his will. You see, Daniel knew an incredible secret that helped him remain faithful for a lifetime. Without prayer, there's no peace. You know, there's an aspect of Daniel's prayer that I think is so important to zero in on because it says that he went and prayed for help, but that's not all he prayed for. In verse 10, it says, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Wow, so he hears his co-workers want him dead. He hears that once again, he's in a situation he'll have to compromise his faith or die. He goes home, he gets on his knees, as he usually does, and he prays to God, not just for help, but he prays giving thanks to God. And there is something so powerful, guys, about prayers of thanksgiving. And, and this is confirmed when you look in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, the New Living Translation. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, 
pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Guys, prayer is not just any prayer. I think prayers of thanksgiving, there's something about it that kind of rewires our, our, our minds, that kind of recenters our disposition to being more at peace. You know, it was so awesome this past week meeting with, uh, you know, the church in Lawrence, getting together on Zoom, seeing everybody's faces. And we just spent time praying, but we specifically asked, let's, let's do some popcorn prayer, but let's pray for what you're thankful for. And it's just so amazing how as you pray or hear others pray what they're thankful for to God, just the demeanor, the spirit in the room is just so much more at peace. And I think it's amazing that in the face of incredible difficult situations that Daniel had going on here, he still went home and prayed what he was thankful for to God and what God had done. So guys, if you find yourself in a situation right now where maybe you don't have as much peace as you would like, I'd encourage you to try this out. Spend time praying, but not just praying for help or for God to resolve your situation. Pray what you're thankful for. And so there, there's one last lesson that I, I want to focus on here with Daniel's prayer life, and that's that prayer requires persistence. Guys, prayer requires consistency. Prayer requires discipline. It requires hard work. I think there can be this misconception about prayer that it should just be a natural thing. You know, I'm not really, oh, I'm not really a natural prayer. I connect more when I read. You know, so-and-so over here, he's, he's kind of more of a nature person, so he connects more with, with prayer or what, you know. And we, we kind of, there's a misconception there that prayer is just this natural thing that should just come. You know, in verse 10, once again, it says, Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room, where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. This is what's so powerful about Daniel's prayer life. He didn't just pray here and there. He didn't just pray sporadically. He didn't just pray when things were bad. He didn't just pray when things were great. He prayed three times a day, every day, regardless of what type of day that it was. And guys, let's not forget that Daniel wasn't just sitting at home with nothing to do. Daniel wasn't quarantined, okay? Daniel was helping to rule a kingdom. This guy was incredibly uh, influential. He had an incredible load of responsibility. We think we're busy with our kids and our jobs and, and the things we have going on. Try ruling a kingdom. Yet regardless of what was going on during his day, regardless of how busy Daniel was, he didn't wait to, to have time to pray. He made time every day to go home, to go upstairs in his room, to get down on his knees, and three times a day, every day, regardless of what kind of day it was, pray to God. Guys, I, I wonder how many of us use busyness as an excuse not to pray. 
we use our kids, we use our jobs, we use the extracurriculars, we use whatever. We've got to learn from Daniel here. The incredible persistence and discipline it took for him. You know what? I wonder if in the middle of the day, hey guys, I know we got an important meeting here. Hang on. I got, I got to go home and pray real quick. I'll be right back. Right? Because we know that he prayed so much that he had this reputation with the other uh, you know, officials of being a prayer. In fact, they knew where to find him and what time to find him praying. Are you too busy to pray? And I think we also have to realize here that Remember, Daniel was taken captive in 605 B.C. This is now around 539 B.C. I think a lot of times we picture Daniel in the lion's den as this you know, young guy. Daniel was most likely in his 80s here. So sometimes I think we've, oh, I'm just too tired to pray. Okay, Daniel in his 80s can still find time to rule a kingdom and make time to go home and three times a day pray every day. And so, guys, we can't, we can't just use our busyness or our, our exhaustion as an excuse not to pray. Because I think what we learned from Daniel is, man, if I don't pray, the busyness and the exhaustion of my life is going to just take over. And there's no way that I can remain faithful to God. And so Daniel made it his priority to pray every day, three times a day. You know, there, there is some potential significance in him opening his window to Jerusalem and praying. You know, some theologians believe that there's a, there's a big significance to specifically what he may have been praying about. And there's a chance that Daniel prayed about the same thing and for the same thing every day for 60 plus years. I don't know about you guys, but I, I think what I'm realizing is I can, I, I'm kind of a lazy prayer. I think that that's what I've started to realize. Um, I can often find myself, I'll start to pray and I'll kind of trail off and think about other things. Or uh, I, I really want to go pray. I know I need to pray. I miss that connection with God. But it's at the end of the day and I just want to kind of turn it in. Uh, or it's too cold, you know, so I'll try to pray inside, but then I'm just too distracted. And next thing I know, I start praying and I look at my phone and I'm up and doing something else. And, you know, I, I was on a walk with the girls a few days ago and I'm just kind of, like I said, uh, walking and I just kind of trail off and I start thinking about other things. And once again, my daughter goes, hey, dad, shouldn't we pray? Uh, can I pray? And I'm just like, man, tell you what, if you don't have uh, a discipler, Spend some time with a toddler and uh, you will find yourself adequately discipled and convicted about what you need to grow in. Uh, but I think that's what I'm learning about myself is I can be such a lazy prayer. It can be so easy for me because I don't think I have the, the discipline and the focus and the intentionality and the persistence. I haven't developed that yet to consistently pray in, in, no matter what's going on. Regardless of how busy I am, regardless of what the weather is, regardless of if things are great or things are terrible or whatever. And so I, I want to grow in that. I want a more prayer life than when every excuse has been removed. Okay? We're all at home. We have nothing else to do. There's no sports on. There's barely anything to watch on TV. Uh, we're at home all the time. The weather is now getting beautiful. What a better time to pray and grow in our prayer lives than right now. And so I want to throw out a little application for us. 
for anyone who would like to join me, I'm calling this my daily Daniel prayer challenge. And so every day, while the travel bans, while the stay-at-home orders are in place, every day, three times a day, I'm going to pick a, a specific time in the morning, a specific time in the afternoon, and a specific time at night. And every day, while those travel bans and the stay-at-home orders are in place, I'm going to spend those times praying to God. I'm going to pick a spot, I'm going to pick a time, three times a day, and I'm going to pray no matter what's going on. And I want to invite any of you guys to join me in this daily Daniel prayer challenge. Uh, and what I'd encourage you is set it in your phone, set it on your calendar, set an alarm, whatever. And whatever you are doing, stop what you're doing. Go to your spot at your designated time. Get on your knees and pray to God. Okay? And, and don't just ask for help. Make sure one of those times at least is giving thanks to God. And I think that would be pretty powerful. You're in a meeting. You're at work. Hey, 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 excuse me, guys. I'll be right back. I got to go pray. How powerful would that be? What, what are they going to say? Right? What are they going to say? Uh, but but it's, it's such a powerful lesson we can learn from Daniel. And, and guys, I hope we can follow his lesson. Because I, I think what we've learned, that one of the secrets to Daniel living a life of faithfulness through all the ups and downs, it was prayer. And maybe you feel like you're a terrible prayer. Like this is your one of your biggest weaknesses. Here's what's so great, guys. When you look at Scripture, there are so many examples of people praying in so many different types of prayers, so many different postures of prayer, so many different places. I mean, people prayed prayers of praise, prayers for blessings. Prayers of petitions, prayers of requests, prayers of intercession for others, prayers of thanksgiving, prayers of lament, prayers of humility, prayers of confession. They prayed kneeling. They prayed standing. They prayed sitting. They prayed lying on a bed. They prayed with their hands raised. They prayed silently. They prayed all together, out loud, alone, specific times, random times, specific places, Random places, they prayed in closets, in beds, in fields, in temples, by rivers, on seashores, in battlefields. There were all types of prayers in all types of places at all different times. And so I don't think the point of all of these different examples and scriptures of prayer in the Bible, I don't think the point is for us to get so caught up in researching the different types and places and strategies to prayer or, or being a good prayer, I think the point is just pray. Connect with God. Get into the presence of God. As, as A.W. Tozer put it, I love this quote, the key to prayer is simply to pray. What's so cool about prayer is the solution to any of your problems in your prayer life is just to go pray. Okay? You don't like prayer? Go pray more, and I bet you'll start liking prayer. You don't know how to pray? Go pray, pray more, and I bet you'll start learning how to pray. You don't know what to pray for? Just go out, get on your knees, and start praying, and I bet you'll figure out some things to pray for. You don't feel like praying? Not rocket science, guys. The key to prayer is simply to pray. And so, guys, prayer is not just a secondary aspect of faith. Daniel would have rather died than lived in a world where he couldn't pray. And I believe that he knew that without prayer, there wasn't going to be any peace. 
But guys, prayer doesn't just happen. It takes discipline. It takes persistence. It takes consistency and hard work. And so guys, let's use this opportunity to enter into the presence of God. And let's look at the example of Daniel, the prophet of prayer. And so guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close our, our morning here going to God in prayer. And I do want to encourage us once again, please, please give online. Uh, if you've missed a handful of weeks and you can catch up, you know, great. Uh, but go, go to your church websites to do that. And it's, it's been great connecting this morning. So let's go to God in prayer and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. God, we love you so much. I'm so grateful for you. God, I'm so grateful just for Daniel, uh, for, for his example. God, just the fact that he's in his 80s, still rocking it. I mean, just such a faithful man through all the ups and downs in his life. But he was so devoted and consistent in prayer. And it convicts me. It makes me realize that okay, there's something I'm missing here. And God, I pray that all of us as a church, as a group of disciples, God, that, that we can make it a priority to pray to you. God, that prayer would not just be an afterthought or a last resort, but that it would be a primary essential element to our faith, that we would rather die than live in a world where we couldn't pray. And God, that as we pray to you, as we join in on this challenge of praying to you consistently and persistently with discipline, God, that, that our faith would grow, that we would experience a peace that transcends any, any understanding. God, that in the midst of the craziest situations, we can pray to you, giving thanks to you, and we would find ourselves just more in love with you and more at peace than we are stressed about our situations. God, I love you. I love that we get to pray to you. I love that you hear our prayers as we get to see later on in Daniel. God, that, that as soon as Daniel prayed, God, that you came, you came to the rescue. You, you hear our prayers, God. We love you so much. And I pray, God, that we wouldn't go to prayer as a means to manipulate you and get what we want, but that through prayer, our hearts would be transformed and bend to your will. And that we would find ourselves more in love with you, more connected with you, uh, with a greater faith in you and a greater sense of peace. God, we love you. It's in your son Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Guys, I love you. Have a great day.